Online. Welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me this Friday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we'll be taking a look at Edu Week 2017. But first, as usual, we begin with just some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and in the Catholic Church today. So do stay with us. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. headlines this Friday evening, Pope Francis' message to Merkel and G20 leaders, funding shortfalls threatens education for millions of children, and Panama reveals 2019 World Youth Day's theme song. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. We begin with Pope Francis. The pontiff has sent a message to the heads of the group of 20 nations who are gathered in Hamburg, Germany, from July 7th to 8th. Chris Altieri has more. Addressed directly to German Chancellor Angela Merkel, the message details four principles of action, which the Holy Father offers as guides for the building of fraternal, just, and peaceful societies. Time is greater than space, Unity prevails over conflict. Realities are more important than ideas, and the whole is greater than the part. Pope Francis expresses the hope that these four principles, drawn from his apostolic exhortation Evangelii Gaudium, might also serve as an aid to reflection for the Hamburg meeting and for the assessment of its outcome. The Holy Father's reflections touch on several pressing issues, including the ongoing migration crisis. In the minds and hearts of government leaders, he writes, at every phase of the enactment of political measures, there is a need to give absolute priority to the poor, refugees, the suffering, evacuees and the excluded without distinction of nation, race, religion, or culture, and to reject armed conflicts. The Holy Father also addresses the situation in South Sudan, the Lake Chad Basin, the Horn of Africa, and Yemen, where 30 million people are lacking the food and water needed to survive, writing, A commitment to meet these situations with urgency and to provide immediate support to those peoples will be a sign of the seriousness and sincerity of the midterm commitment to reforming the world economy and a guarantee of its sound development. Writing on the ever-present threat and reality of conflict in the world, the Holy Father recalls the upcoming hundredth anniversary of Pope Benedict XV's letter to the leaders of the warring peoples, asking that the world put an end to all these useless slaughters. War, Pope Francis writes, is never a solution. Pope Francis goes on to write of the urgent need to overcome ideological divides. The fateful ideologies of the first half of the 20th century have been replaced by new ideologies of absolute market autonomy and financial speculation, he writes. Calling for a recovery of a sound and prudent pragmatism, 
guided by the primacy of the human being and the attempt to integrate and coordinate diverse and at times opposed realities on the basis of economic achievements of the past century, the Holy Father prays that the Hamburg summit may be illuminated by the example of those European and world leaders who consistently gave pride of place to dialogue and the quest of common solutions, especially Schumann, de Gasperi, Adenauer, and Monet. Problems, Pope Francis goes on to write, need to be resolved concretely and with due attention to their specificity, but such solutions to be lasting cannot neglect a broader vision. They must likewise consider eventual repercussions on all countries and their citizens while respecting the views and opinions of the latter. He then repeats uh, the warning that Benedict the Sixteenth addressed uh, to the G20 London Summit in 2009, to the effect that the states and individuals whose voices are weakest on the world political scene are precisely the ones who suffer most from the harmful effects of economic crises for which they bear little or no responsibility, and that this great majority, which in economic terms counts for only 10% of the whole, is the portion of humanity that has the greatest potential to contribute to the progress of everyone. Consequently, he writes, there is need to make constant reference to the United Nations, its programs and associated agencies, and regional organizations to respect and honor international treaties, and to continue promoting a multilateral approach so that solutions can be truly universal and lasting for the benefit of all. At least 76 police officers and several demonstrators have been injured in the clashes in Germany's city of Hamburg ahead of the G20 summit. The clashes came shortly before the start of the gathering where U.S. President Donald Trump was to meet Russian President Vladimir Putin later today. Stefan Bors reports. Violent clashes breaking out near the site of the G20 summit. German riot police confronting thousands of protesters, demonstrating amid the arrival here of U.S. President Donald Trump. Some called the protest G20, welcome to hell. But the violence was not what organizers of the march had planned. They soon declared the march over, but this area of Hamburg resembles nearly a war zone. Dozens of police are injured and even their spokesman is reportedly attacked during an interview. Officers use water cannon and pepper spray to disperse black hooded protesters at the event. Mass protesters can be seen attacking police with bottles, stones and other objects and set fires in the street. Several shops in the neighborhood closed down. Shop owners left messages urging demonstrators not to attack their businesses but several buildings have been damaged. Protests will continue with more than 100,000 protesters expected in the city for the summit that takes place Friday and Saturday. Hamburg has boosted its forces and some 20,000 officers are in Hamburg and the surrounding area to patrol streets, skies and waterways. US President Donald Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin are among those attending the summit hosted by German Chancellor Angela Merkel. However, those protesting, including extreme leftist demonstrators, view the summit as a capitalistic gathering that will do little to make the world a better place. Many also oppose the presidency of Donald Trump, who has been criticized over his anti-migration 
and America First policies. Moving on to African news, Zambia's Bishop of Mansa, Patrick Chisanga, OFM, says the role of women in the accomplishment of the divine will for the salvation of humankind cannot be overemphasized. Writing in the Mansa Diocesan newsletter, the bishop calls upon women to be primary missionaries. The Mansa Diocese prelate explained that the women reach out with the first touch of God's love and nurturance upon humankind's entry into this world. He has since appealed to women in the Diocese of Mansa not to neglect the honor God has bestowed upon them as they emulate the Blessed Mother of the Savior and the first woman disciples. Bishop Jean-Marie Benoit Bala, whose body was discovered in a river in Cameroon on June 2nd, was not murdered but drowned, and that's according to a new autopsy report. On July 4th, the government of Cameroon reported the results of an autopsy conducted by a team of Terman doctors under the supervision of Interpol. After an in-depth examination, no trace of violence was found on the body of the deceased, the doctors reported. They listed the cause of the bishop's death as a drowning. The new autopsy report directly contradicts an earlier finding that Bishop Bala was a murder victim. The earlier autopsy also said that his body showed indications of torture. The direct contradiction between the two reports highlights the level of mistrust between the Catholic bishops of Cameroon and the country's government. Some observers have questioned whether the two autopsies were conducted on the same body. The allegations of sexual exploitation and abuse by peacekeepers in the Central African Republic, or CAR, came as a huge shock to the UN mission there, also known by the acronym MINUSCA. That's what Diane Connor, the deputy head of MINUSCA, said during a visit to UN headquarters in New York on the last day of her tenure. International troops serving as peacekeepers in CAR were accused of sexually abusing a number of young children children in exchange for food or money between 2013 and 2015. A year later, an investigation by the UN uncovered more claims of abuse in 10 peace operations. The majority were made against MINUSCA and the UN mission in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, MONUSCO. Ms. Connor explains the impact these cases have had on MINUSCA and the UN overall. It was a huge shock to the mission and it really turned us upside down in a very good way. We didn't really realize the scale of the problem, but we set out some principles to start with, and I insisted on those. I insisted that we should be transparent, that we should try and adopt a victim-centered approach. I say try because in a country like the Central African Republic, there's not much by way of provision for anybody in need. So you had to do your best to use the, the services that were available and maximize that. And sometimes it meant bringing victims from outside the regions to Bangui to get the services that they needed. The silver lining is that not only we overhauled everything that we did in terms of SEA, but also the UN system as a whole put right at the top of the UN's agenda because the last thing that you want with the UN peacekeeping mission is for you to be doing harm. It just makes you feel cold inside. It's horrible. If there's any good that's come out of this, it's the fact that the chances of it happening again 
are reduced, but I think we need to be constantly vigilant. Every day, every, every step of the way, every time you set up a new mission, every time you deploy a new contingent, you've got to put in place the measures that are going to stamp out SEA. Finding shortfalls are threatening education for millions of children who are caught up in conflict or disaster. That's according to the UN's Children's Fund, UNICEF, which is urging world leaders gathering for the G20 summit in Germany to do more to fund emergency education programs. More details from Matt Wells. UNICEF said that of the $932 million needed this year to fund emergency education, only $115 million had been received so far in voluntary contributions. Around 9.2 million children whose lives have been disrupted by war or disaster are relying on the funding to keep learning, said UNICEF. Mozoun Al-Malahan, the agency's youngest and most recently appointed Goodwill Ambassador, is representing UNICEF at the G20 summit in Hamburg and said that without education, children simply don't have the skills needed to contribute to peace and development at home. A Syrian refugee who fled in 2013, Ms Al-Malahan said that in a war zone, not going to school leaves children vulnerable to early marriage, child labour and recruitment by armed forces. She said education could be life-saving for those like her forced to flee. The funding gaps for education vary from country to country, said UNICEF, while programmes in Iraq are underfunded by 36% in Yemen and Central African Republic. The figure is more than 70%. Missing out on school has been cited as a major factor leading families and children to flee. The survey of refugee and migrant children in Italy showed that 38% said they'd headed to Europe primarily to gain access to learning opportunities. And finally, the World Youth Day of Panama 2019 already has a theme song and it sounds like this. The song is written by Abdiel Jimenez, a catechist in Panama. He won the contest out of which 55 other theme song proposals were submitted. The song unites melody and lyrics with the motto of this celebration, Let it be to me according to your word. The song unites melody and lyrics with the motto of this celebration, Let it be to me according to your word. The author says that it is based on three great concepts, Our Lady, Evangelization, and the joy that must be present in the life of every Christian, which will then leave a mark on the hearts of those who participate in this biggest Catholic world event. And those were your news headlines from Africa and the Catholic Church today. Thank you once again for joining me this Friday evening. You are listening to Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Coming up next is our feature program, and today we focus on Edu Week 2017. Welcome back to our feature program. Edu Week 2017 is a free event to teachers, educators, and the education industry as it takes place next week from the 12th to the 13th of July at the Gallagher Convection Center. This is an incredible, worthy event and is all about advancing educational knowledge in Africa, a massive and very important task. 
Now, Tanya Jackman is the event director of Week, And in this interview, she'll be talking to us about what you can expect during this event, as well as some of the new features that are included in the 11th annual Week. Let's talk about Week 2017. What's on offer this time around? So we have a lot of new elements to the show this year. Every year we try and push the boundaries as much as we can. I think this year we've, um, in terms of some of the key things that we've done differently, number one, we've grown the show. It's now occupying two exhibition halls instead of just the one. So we've had a tremendous amount of growth in terms of new companies coming in with uh, technology, innovation, um, products in all different sectors across at 10 leaf, which is around educational toys, math and science. Um, you know, we've got publishing, like digital and textbooks, school supplies and stationery, and it goes on. So we've got a huge amount of new content and products for people to actually come and see. And not only can they actually come and see uh, these items, but actually we've built live demonstration areas onto the exhibition floor so that companies can actually get engaged with uh, the audience and the visitors. So the actual visitors themselves can um, get hands-on with some of these products, you know, try them, test them. You know, it's a really tactile experience. It's really interactive. And those are new elements that we never had in the show before. The other elements that we brought in, so we have theatres built within the exhibition which host um, different seminars and workshops, ranging from um, anything from teacher training and development to to, uh, leadership training, um, and some really kind of sharing of case studies and best practice from around the, uh, the education market. Each theatre is dedicated to a path of education. So we have um, early childhood development, we have basic education, uh, we have uh, vocational and higher education, technology is its own track. Uh, we also have a new theatre that's been brought in for the first time around fitness and nutrition. Um, we're really excited about that and that's really promoting physical education um, and quality physical education in schools to get our learners more active during the week, giving them tips in terms of nutrition and, and health advice as well. And then we've got two brand new conference arenas that we've, um, we've brought into the show this year, which are going to focus on more of a holistic sense of education and its importance from a social, economic and environmental perspective. And we have something called the National Development Plan in South Africa, which is South Africa's response to a global initiative by the United Nations um, called the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And they focus on um, how education has an intrinsical impact into things like um, ending poverty and um, world hunger, as well as water, sanitation, um, energy efficiency, and a whole raft of other quite immense topics. Um, So we're bringing those conference areas onto the floor where Anyone, a teacher, a principal, a dean, a chancellor, someone from government can actually sit in and get a much more broader scope of what is happening in the world in terms of where people are heading to try and achieve and combat some of these critical issues, which we know in Africa that obviously some very relatable to us. So there's some great speakers coming from all over the world to present their findings in terms of how we as a community and a nation can actually start tackling some of these goals. And not just the nation, from a continent perspective, because businesses are traveling all the way from Botswana, Namibia, all the way from Nigeria as well. So we really are a pan-African event. So there's a lot going on, and in the mix of all of that, you've got these wonderful networking opportunities um, where visitors from, you know, Pretoria, 
the Eastern Cape, Western Cape, uh, Northern can actually start interacting with each other in this environment, meeting people that they've never met before, would never even thought to, you know, meet before. And not only from South Africa, but again, you know, giving them a bit of a Pan-Africa audience. So it's a really wonderful platform for knowledge share. Um, it really grabs people. It's such more. It's so more than just an exhibition. It's an experience, and it's one that we. It's really valuable, I think, in the industry, and delivers some really meaningful um, conversations that start to drive change, um, and obviously implementation, which is obviously so important. Talk to us about the reason behind this event, but the reason behind Edu Week. What is the main purpose of Edu Week? Well, Edu Week started 11 years ago as a conference which focused, uh, I think it was a two-day conference which had about three different uh, like conference tracks and each one was, there was basic education, there was vocational higher education and then later down the line I think technology came into it. And so they were quite it was a small conference of about 40 or 50 so attendees and now we've grown into something which is well in excess of 5,000 attendees and a huge, obviously a lot more that goes with it rather than just a conference. And the purpose, I think, you know, what Edu Week is part of a much bigger, um, you know, plan in terms of driving positive change in education. It's not by any means the solution on its own, but we play a part in the market in terms of bringing people together to be able to um, share share information, share knowledge, and start collaboration, which I think is really important. You know, it's getting organizations and individuals working together to achieve greater goals. Together, we obviously, I know it's cliche, but together we really can do more. And I think that's what we try and aim to do. And I think because we're now branching um, out further than just the practical day-to-day tools and tips and training that um, educators and institution leaders can gain in their daily lives and actually saying, you know, we all have a part to play in this much bigger um, plan to obviously move education forward, but helping education in this way will obviously help us achieve much bigger things. And those things are so meaningful and those are the things that drive um, countries, you know, through economic challenges and being able to respond to <clears throat> challenges which we all know, you know, we face. For example, in the Western Cape, you know, we have a drought situation. Now, you know, quality education through schooling from as early as foundation phase can, and delivered in the right way, you know, those learners can grow up and create and be able to be the next generation of individuals who can drive those solutions so that we can start, you know, I don't know, I think it's, it, it's just it's, it's something so impactful, you know, with education, what it can deliver. And it's just, every week is that opportunity for people for once in the year to be able to come together and experience it together and walk away with something really meaningful um, for them to obviously be more inspired. But now, Tanya, talk to us about some of the issues that are really affecting our young people at school, uh, be it primary, high school. We're looking at societal issues uh, such as bullying, for example. Uh, It's on the rise everywhere. You spoke about the UN agenda when it comes to, you know, ensuring that every child has the right to education. Let's talk about, for example, the right to education to the girl child. 
home in South Africa, we see have uh, you know the impact of going on menstrual cycles, for example, the lack of access to sanitary towels, preventing girls from going to school and attending schools continuously. Is there a space for those type of conversations, the conversations surrounding the right of the human body, um, you know, no rape, no drug abuse within schools, all of those societal issues that are plaguing our youth, is there a space for that during Edu Week? Yes, um, I mean, everything that you've mentioned there is part of the program. So the one particular conference arena that we have, which is specifically focus on the sustainable development goals and encapsulate all those things that you mentioned. You know, gender equality, the right to um, you know, health and wellness, all of those things are built into the program and it again not just about education, it's about creating people's awareness of of these issues. And I believe yeah, um, it's so exciting that you mentioned all of it because I suppose I could go on and on and on. But there is definitely that platform within Edu Week. And not only do we look at it from a pan-African perspective, but again, when we resolve, you know, um, move back down into the National Development Plan, which is South Africa's plan towards these different goals, a lot of what you mentioned in there, and, you know, talking about security and bullying, you know, um, you know with the new technology that's brought into the education market every, every year, you know, innovation is moving so fast. And there's obviously the plan to bring in new devices, um, making tools digital, and giving uh, children across all, um, you know, rural and urban areas access to technology to help them become 21st century ready. So when they want to enter in the job market, they are fully equipped to be able to cope with the, the market and obviously the, the way that um, that we operate and we work these days. So there's a whole focus around cyber cyber bullying, you know, and it's not just actually the, the students that are targeted through, um, you know, online bullying, but teachers as well. You know, teachers obviously sometimes with the introduction of social media, they're also um, targeted sometimes through uh, through bullying and it has enough impact on them. So we tackle quite a lot of those issues at the, at the events and anyone that's got an interest in knowing more, then uh, they must be there. And speaking of uh, must be there, talk to us about the details that we need concerning Edu Week. Okay, so Edu Week takes place next week on the Wednesday, the 12th and Thursday, the 13th of July. Um, we're holding it for 2 and 3 at the Gallagher Convention Centre and participation is completely free. So everything I've just mentioned to you in terms of all the different elements that Edu Week provides and what you can get involved in, um, there's no cost to anyone that wants to participate. So best way to register is via our website, which is www um you'll see the registration link and it's just a few questions and then you are given access to your ticket to bring with you on the day and it gives you access for the full two days um, there's a brilliant program on both days so I would definitely recommend that people come for the both um, because there's new content on each day which you wouldn't want to miss out and my thanks goes there to Tanya Jackman, Event Director of Week, for giving us all the details regarding the 11th Annual Week, which is to take place from the 12th to the 13th of July at the Gallagher Convention Centre. Well, that brings me up to time. You've been listening to Catholic View on this Friday evening. I'll be back again in a week's time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.